Now rocking with the best. Only two things can get you through this, man. Patience and persistence. Work harder than everyone. Be patient and just know that if you're gonna do something on your own, you're gonna have to feel some pain. You're only the boss if you put up your own money. If you don't put up your own money, I don't care how much somebody gives you. You're nothing but a supervisor. It's not yours. It, it takes fearlessness to be first. You know, to not move with a crowd, to move alone. I stopped living according to what people wanted me to do. I started living according to what actually made me happy. If you're not happy, change your life. Allow me to reintroduce myself. The Culture Talks Podcast with your host, Carlos Stutzer. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It is your boy, C-I-Z-Z-Y, you dig, live action, Kansas City, Missouri. And we're back again, man. We're back again with another episode. And I tell you guys every week, I'm going to bring on a fire guest. And guess what? Yeah, I did it I did it again. I did it again. I don't know what else to tell you guys. I got somebody dope on, a little bit different than what we normally have on, but an entrepreneur nonetheless. Um, I'm really actually super excited to have this conversation because we've yet to have somebody talk about this topic before. And it's actually a topic I don't really know much about. So I'm kind of excited to hear, you know, what he's done with this, how he started. Um, and for those of you who are watching the video, you see my guy above. So I'll go ahead and have him introduce himself right about now. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, my name is Jay. Um, my real name is Jaquan. I go by Jay. I am the creator of 2923 Comics, um, which has the comic book, The Scarlet Knight, Defender of the Block. And I am also the founder or co-founder of the Venbu app. I love it. I love it. I love it. And tell us, let's 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 get into you first. Let's talk about where you grew up, um, early life, early interests, and then we'll jump into, you know, talking a little bit more about comics. So where did you grow up? What was life like during your childhood? Are you Kansas City native? Are you a St. Louis native? Where are you from, brother? Go ahead and talk to us about your upbringing. Yes. Um, so I'm a Kansas City native, born and raised. Um, I grew up in Midtown. Well, I guess what you would consider probably Midtown off of 58th and Prospect, uh, right there off of 71. I grew up in a community called Town Fort Creek, uh, mostly raised by my grandparents and my single mother. Uh, I have two younger siblings. Uh, my brother currently is uh, incarcerated right now. He's serving a nine-year uh, prison sentence uh, in the federal penitentiary. Uh, my little sister is still just working hard and being her little self. Um, but I am definitely uh, Kansas City. I love Kansas City from the bottom of my heart. Um, how I got started in what I would like to call um, the whole fantasy element of the block, right, of the streets, um, was I was always just the weird person in my crew. Like, I was just one of those guys who was always into TV. Uh, you know, when you're raised by older people you typically watch tv a lot so i did a lot of watching tv and got into animation got into comic books uh got into horror yeah, i'm still a horror fan of this day and i mean kansas city is one of those places where i definitely have developed a lot of six senses from the community that i grew up with i grew up in um but i am definitely appreciative of my background uh being raised by primarily my grandparents and a single mother of two other siblings and being the oldest child. So I have that mindset of always trying to help people. So everything that <clears throat> everything that I create or everything that I do to this day, 
thus far has been set out to encourage, but more importantly, to help. I love it. I love it. And, and you spoke about some important adults in your life growing up. So that was going to be my next question. Who were some of your earliest adult influences? Or maybe just give me one. I'm sure you have many, but what, who are one of your earliest adult influences and why would you say that they influenced your life and who you are you know, today? Uh, my grandmother and my grandfather uh, were heavy influences in my life. If you ever get a chance, if anybody's listening to this podcast, you ever get a chance to go to Town Fort Creek, man, I always say that that place is magical, right? Right there smack dab in the middle of the city in the hood. Um, and I saw firsthand what it meant to take care of people. My grandmother, we stayed right next to a park. And what would happen is that people would walk down our street, walk across the park, and then hop the creek and uh, go to their other community on the other side of the creek. And it was never, it was never a time that I walked in my house and didn't see someone I didn't know. Like I would see people there all the time that I didn't know. Like who was this guy on the porch? Talking to my grandmother, drinking, drinking, uh, drinking some water, ice cold water, lemonade with a meal. That's just like the person that she was. Uh, there's no one that could ever, that could ever say that she didn't take care of them. I mean, she didn't care who you are. If you wanted to sit on that porch and talk to her, she was just, I mean, she just loved people. And my grandfather, who was a heavy, also a heavy influence on me, he just also took care of people, but very strong. Very, I mean, take care of the household, take care of all the kids. Like he was just one of those people, like uh, uh, what I would like to say, a man's man, a protector, you know, someone that you always could depend on. You know, even when I became an adult, I felt like I didn't be really become a man until my grandfather passed away because I didn't have that crutch anymore. I didn't have that person that I can call and say, hey, I need help or I'm confused or I need this or, you know, can you direct me in this way? Like I, now I had to stand on my own two feet. and always knew the right thing to say. You always knew if you were with him, you were protected no matter who you were. And when I tell you, I stayed with my grandparents the majority of my life, we had so many people living with us over the years. Uh, I mean, people that weren't even family because that's just the type of people that they were. If you needed somewhere to lay your head, you'll probably be living with us for about five or six months until you get back on your feet. I mean, that's just the type of people I was raised around on, on a daily basis. I didn't appreciate it then as a young man, uh, but as I've gotten older and I see what they were doing, I understand it more. And that's how my life is really just taking the turn. And that's how I've become a better entrepreneur. That's how I've become a better person in general is now carrying on that legacy and making sure I take care of people as well. I love that. I love that so much. You know, first off, shout out to your grandparents, you know, for being all about community reciprocity and bringing up, bringing up those around them. Um, and, and around community, you know, I, I assume that that influence and, and being around that has influenced you today to really care about your community even more about Kansas yeah. City, especially about, you know, the community we'll get into right now about, you know, why you're building that app. Um, so, you know, I, I really love that. I really love those influences. And I'm glad you shared that because that's always beautiful to hear stories of, you know, you know, important people in our life actually teaching us some important lessons. So, um, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk about comics today. But before my next question, aside from comics, what exactly were some of your early hobbies or interests when you were a young man? So, you know, I know you said you got into that early. Um, 
But yeah. on the on the side of that, was there was there anything else that you were super into or considering going down a different path at any other point in life? Yes. Um. So I like to write, even though that's kind of geared towards what I do on a daily basis now. But um, I love to write, but no one encouraged it. Um. No one. Um. Uh, and that's no knock to my grandparents or my mom. I just think uh arts wasn't just pushed in my community right you, you play ball uh you play ball or you, I mean you got into entertainment that was just kind of like what it was um so I, I was heavy into writing um you know man television and movies man was my thing like I even was uh just talking to someone the other day about making the movie remember when I think MTV said making the movie and yes, yes. it Exactly. So I was like, I used to love those shows. Like, and I'm surprised that I'm not somewhere uh, really, really pursuing a career in Hollywood. At one point in time, I did. But um, as far as like really sticking, sticking to it and, and still going strong with it, I'm surprised I'm not. But uh, something else, I play football. Um, football was one of those things where I played it my whole life. I was not in love with the sport of football, like uh, my friend J. Ron, who I went to school with since we were in preschool. But he was like one of those, I mean, super athletes, was in love with football, couldn't tell him nothing about it. And I think naturally, I just gravitated towards it because of him. And that's just really what it was. And I was pretty decent at it. And that was another thing that I did on a regular basis, but I was just really into writing. You know, uh, I remember now as I got older, I, I remember writing, just writing different like stories and for school and writing on my own and trying to do different art and stuff like that. I was like, man, this is what I was being meant to do for like the majority of my life. Like I didn't, I never noticed it then, but I never had anyone else that be like, Hey man, encourage me to do something. So yeah, I, I definitely was heavy into writing as a young kid. I love what you said there at the end because, you know, it's so important. It's one of the reasons why I started this podcast is like, you know, and and especially in minority communities, it's not often pushed to get into anything outside, at least by our friends and peers, maybe a little bit by our parents, but we don't listen too much to to, to our parents when we're growing up. But, um, you know, it's it's seeing, you know, if you want to if you want to make a living doing something, you got to either go play ball or you got to be a rapper or r&b singer yeah. and then our parents might tell us to just go work a standard nine to five and it doesn't matter yeah. if you like your job just do it you know yes. and, and and of course there's lessons in that there's some growth that comes from that but for our whole life obviously that's not the route so when it comes to arts or when it comes to other forms of entrepreneurship i think it's really important for people like yourself and for you know other people in our communities to create platforms or to create businesses or to create apps that really push and influence the young people coming up to let them know that this is also an option. This is also a path. This is also something that you can do and, and, and feeding into their creativity, feeding into what their desires are. So that's 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 important that you mention that. So, you know, um, something that I remember, I remember very vaguely um, when I, I went to Southeast, I don't know if anybody's familiar with that. It's right there. Probably at one point in time, because they're one of the worst high schools to be at. And I remember the army, were the only people at my school to recruit. Like no one, no schools. It, it, it was no different. I don't remember any career days. Uh, you know, it wasn't until I went to LA for a second that I actually met people that were in so many diverse careers 
I was like, you can get paid to do that? You can get paid to create costumes. You can get paid to be a chef, millions of dollars to be a chef. Like we just didn't, I just never had been exposed to these type of things and to these type of people in, in my life. And um, I consider myself to be a late bloomer when it came to uh, being exposed to a lot of uh, different different cultures, different backgrounds. I was a late bloomer, but that's no knock to anyone else. It's just, you know, where I was from, I was only used to though, you know, used to Kansas City and uh, that was all kind of all I knew. So, and most of the people that I've ever been around growing up were blue collar workers. Um, I knew a lot of entrepreneurs, but they never were in tech or they never weren't in the arts. They were mostly like, you know, they owned a mom and pop record store or a liquor store or convenience store of some sort. So the, your natural thought is like, hey, if I want to be an entrepreneur, I, I have to either go into the, one of those two things, you know, either be on the streets or give me like a mom and pop store of some sort. But it's so many opportunities. It's so many opportunities, man, to make a living and to do enjoy what you do. Man, exposure is everything. So anybody that's listening to this podcast right now, whether you're the person that's being exposed to these different opportunities and that's why you're listening to these episodes, or if you're just, you know, someone who's already in this in these lanes, or maybe you're just an adult that's a leader in your community, which is amazing as well, whether you're an entrepreneur or not. You know, make sure you're out there, you know, exposing these kids to different opportunities in life. You know, don't just tell them about one thing just because you're biased towards that. Make sure you're providing opportunities for them to learn about as much as they can learn about. My my avenue is this podcast. Your avenue, you know, for the listeners out there might be, you know, you might work at the Boys and Girls Club. Maybe you need to talk to some folks there. You might be a, uh, you know, part of the Big Brother, Big Brothers program. Maybe you need to talk to them and expose them to different things. So just any chance you get, man, practice exposure to, to different things outside of what people, you know, that box that people are locked into. So, um, exactly. when did you when did you first realize you were interested in comic books? I know you talk about you know, growing up watching TV. So was it then when you were a kid, just like you were just watching TV and you were seeing different different shows and you started, you know, getting into it there? Did, was there a friend? Was there anybody who like put you on per se? Yes. So my grandfather, we go back to the football story. Uh, my grandfather, what he would do to encourage me to go to practice would offer me comic books, you know, would offer me different things. And I remember us going into Clint's comics. Uh, my comic book is actually in Clint's comics. Uh, which is kind of funny how those things come uh, come back around. But uh, we went to Clint's Comics and I told him about the store that I discovered. I didn't even know these stores exist. Um, these comic book stores. And I was like, it's a store. And it got all these cool books with all these pictures before I even knew they were comic books. And he was like, well, if you go to football practice and you, put, and you do your best, I'll buy you a comic book. And the first comic book that I had was uh, Spider-Man. Uh, at the time, I was playing football with the uh, Kansas City Wolverines, Kansas City Keys Wolverines, uh, with my friend J-Ron. Um, and when I, uh, I think we were like midway season, he will give me, he gave me a comic book, gave me that Spider-Man comic book, man. And from that day, I just kind of enjoyed it. And, you know, to know that you could write these, right? Like we, as kids, and you're transitioning to like going up to like middle school and stuff like that. The picture books that you see are not what a graphic novel is or a comic book is. It's, it's two totally different worlds. 
And you're seeing this now, and it has action, and it has all these different characters that you can relate to or can't relate to. Um, majority of them have powers of some sort, but they mimic what you see on a regular basis, which is just humans, right? This, this regular human nature, and it has that element of fantasy that can take you away from your surroundings. So uh, my grandfather was uh, actually the person who I would say triggered the love for comic books. I knew I always wanted comic books when I started going to Clint's, but after he bought it, that's when it really clicked. I love that. I love that because it reminds me of like how, you know, parents or older siblings trying to incentivize younger siblings or, or, the, or their kids to do certain things by doing something else. So it's like that was your grandfather's way, which is awesome. I'm glad you ended up in that. I know like remembering my sister, my oldest sister, you know, she was so into school. Like she, that was her thing. Like she loved school. You know, she excelled at school. She's pretty much the only one in the family of eight, nine kids that excelled really well at school. And, um, and she ended up being a doctor and that was her route. You know, that works for her. But I remember when, yeah. she, when I was growing up, she would be like, she'd be like, Collis, like you need to get good grades in school. I'll give you, I'll take you on a trip on a cruise to this place. If you get all A's this year. Yeah. And I used to be motivated halfway through the year, but then I was just like, I don't care about that cruise. I don't like, care about it anymore. Man, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So like, mm -hmm. it kind of points out, like you gotta, you know, I'm not no parent, but for, for those people out there, make sure you're incentivizing them with the right things. Maybe something that's going to push yeah. them in the direction that they're actually passionate about, that you're feeding yes. into something that's actually worthwhile. You know, for some kids, that's money. You know, if you do good in your school this year, I'll give you $100. And, you know, they take that $100 and they flip it on a lemonade stand and they turn 40 and they end up being an entrepreneur because it started there. But wherever it is, yeah. make sure you're incentivizing in a way that really speaks to somebody. So that's a really dope yeah. story to hear. Definitely, um, you know, from a, a person who has a child who sometimes I incentivize all the time, you know, I say, hey, man, if because he boxes, he plays lacrosse, plays ice hockey. Um, and I mean, he always one thing I never had to worry about with his schooling. He's just like a perfect student. But with his sports, I always say, hey, man, if you work hard, you do good in this game, you, you know, you're passing, you, you do. And I always teach him. I always teach him, and this goes back to me trying to teach him things that I learned from the streets that that I can pass on to him without him being in that element. And, and I say, well, if you take care of the team, right? If I say you passing, you get assists, you playing defense, don't try to score. I just want you to strictly play defense. I want you to strictly be in the back. Don't worry about it. And that's when you'll get, that's when you'll get what you want. You know, if it's some Jordans or if it's a, a game, headphones, whatever it is, I always tell them like, hey, you got to take care of our own, right? You can't always be the star. Everybody can't be in the front. And I think that's kind of what's wrong with, with our society is that we all want to be in the forefront, in the front rather than just play our part, right? Like everybody can't run the train. Like somebody has to be in the back of it. Like someone, someone has to serve cookies, whatever it is, you know, you just got to know what your job is and to be good at that. Right. So I try to do that with him a lot is just saying, Hey man, you know, you earn, you earn your keep, but more importantly, man, you, whatever you're doing, you got to take care of people. And that's how I was taught in my community was that, Hey, you take care of people. You know, if somebody saw you late to school, you know, Miss Miss Lucille or whoever it was. Like, hey, boy, it's eight thirty. Why you ain't at school? Or hey, you're gonna miss the bus. And these are people who are not even in your household. You know, hey, how's school going? And I try to teach them that now early, and we, we worry about our we worry about our people and we take care of each other.
I love that. I love that. I think there's like two underlining points you made there. Um, you know, taking care of people, you know, your community, your family, you know, taking care of people, point blank, period. And then also, you know, you, like you said, everybody can't be the star. You got to play your part. And when you play your part, you get really good at that part. You know, like yeah. you said, you know, um, hey, just don't worry about anything else but defense or, you know, if it's a, if it's sport, don't worry about, if, you know, if this person has this skill, if they're a shooter, you know, they're a shooter, don't worry about anything else but shooting. Just shoot that ball. Just shoot that ball. Don't even think yeah. about it if you miss. If you're on defense, don't worry about nothing but passing and defending, passing and defending, whatever that might yeah. be, um, you know, you might – uh, somebody might be on the yearbook, you know, and they don't play any sports, but they're in the yearbook club. Hey, don't worry about anything but writing the best quotes for these students, you know. Yep. And when people do that, they develop these skills and these skills, they can they they can develop uh, sub niches inside of these skills. And now we're yep. starting to see in like modern day time, having a skill is so valuable, not only monetarily, but just in general, like if you have a skill, especially a niche skill, you know how to do something really well, whether it's in sport, whether it's writing, whether it's talking, whether it's uh, uh, video cameras or whether whatever it might be, if you are really good at a specific skill, you going to make a bag and, like, make, yeah, and, and, and if you take care of people, then you're going to make a bag and also be a leader. You're also going to be somebody that the community loves and looks towards. So, you know, money and taking care of people is an awesome mix, you know. So, yes. so I think you made some really good points that direct people in that yeah. direction. One thing I want to say, too, is that you can I want people to understand this. You can learn new skills. But the, the number one thing is to make sure before you step up to the line that you perfected that skill. You can learn new skills, right? You can you can go learn how to ride a bike and then learn how to ride a skateboard. But I don't want you after you learn to ride a skate. You're just now learning to ride the skateboard. I don't want you going down uh devil's backbone on, on, on the on the skateboard and you ain't even really learned how to how to uh really glide on it or balance yourself you just gotta know when you're ready to be in the forefront like when you're ready then you can go up there and you'd be like hey i want to play offense today but if you if you barely perfect the defense how you gonna move to offense you gotta you just gotta know you know when you're ready so i just want to throw that after like you just gotta know when you're ready that's extremely important yeah i love that i love that so I want to, I want to double back to, to the comic books. When did you start creating your first comics? You know, can you tell us a little bit about your first comic book? Maybe it's storyline. If you're open to sharing that, like your very yeah. first one that you can remember, can you talk about the characters, you know, let, let us in your brain. Yeah. So I, my first comic book in my only comic book, I, mean, I have a graphic novel. Man. It's been in production for like two years. I'm not even gonna lie to you. But that's something I'm really, I really am passionate about. I mean, it's almost done. It's getting illustrated. But my first comic book, and the reason why I did one comic book, and I'm going to talk about that, uh, was Scarlet Knight, Defender of the Block. Um, and it's about two cousins who were raised by their grandparents uh, who, who decide to go back home to be emergency room doctors, go back to their community, just like me, um, go, go back to their home to be emergency room doctors, but they stumble upon a magic gem that makes them knights in the modern day time. Uh, so the two cousins end up feuding on how to save the community because this magic gem turns people into other medieval creatures and creates like medieval chaos. So the two cousins are now feuding because they're trying to decide how can they save their community? How can they turn everything back to normal? 
one believes, hey, we got to take this by force. You know, we got to we got to control people. People don't people are stupid. They don't know what they're doing. And, and the other cousin is like, no, man, we got to do what we were set out to do when we became doctors, which is take care of people and guide them and direct them. And it just kind of shows you how it just kind of shows you how when it comes to inner city issues and underserved communities, how we all are not on code, like how we all have so many ideas of how to save the community that we we're just on a treadmill like right we're not going anywhere we're doing a lot of work we're not going anywhere and it's also loosely based on my brother and I and how we were raised in the same households but went to totally different places in life like you know we heard the same ethics the same morals but it's just like telephone we heard the message different and you know with him serving serving time for for doing what he did and making poor, making choices. I never say bad or good choices, right? He just made he made choices that led to what he would consider himself to be a bad a bad outcome. Um, so it's loosely based on that as well. But then also, my grandparents passed away about four years ago. Um, I thought about my grandfather. I thought about all those great things that he taught me growing up, and I thought about what animation and cartoons and books taught me growing up. And I was like, I've never seen anyone that looks like my grandfather in a book. Never saw. It. I never saw a, a guy in a book or character in a book being raised by his grandparents. I've never seen it. Now, I've seen Peter Parker be raised by his Aunt May. But I, and I've seen Batman be raised by Alfred. But I've never seen those surrogate parents of a grandmother and a grandfather who are now instilling those old ethics and old morals that they were raised with to modern day children. And, and possibly in their mind, in some cases they did right because they had two grandsons who became doctors, but they don't know that one grandson is thinking outside of what the other grandson is thinking. And it, sometimes what we see in underserved communities is that the parents typically blame themselves for the choices that their children make. And I wanted to place all of that in a comic book. So I placed my grandparents' likeness in the comic book. Um, and I started writing it. Um, my first letter I wrote was in January, 2018. Um, I kept putting it off, kept putting it off. Um, and then I went on vacation from work and I was laying in the bed, just being lazy on vacation. My, birth, my birthday is um, two days after Christmas. And I was just being lazy, chilling two days after Christmas. My son got all my money. You know, where am I going to go? And I was like, I just, it just clicked. I said, I'm going to start writing. And I started writing, man. I finished it, had it. Uh, I was funding it on my own, my own money. And comic books are expensive. Comic books is one of the most self-funded industries in the world, right? Probably number one. So I was funding it on my own. And I had a frat brother named Sharon with Porter House Casey. I don't know if everybody's familiar with them. Um, and he he's into comic books. He was like, Paul, you're gonna have to do crowdfunding, man. Like, you're gonna go broke doing it this way. I put it off, put it off. Didn't want nobody to really know. It goes back to that young man in, in, in the city mentality. I didn't want nobody to know that I was writing comic books. Like, who would believe in me, you know, that, that Quan is doing this, you know? And uh, man, I just manned up, put the comic book on, on Indiegogo. My first Kickstarter failed, but I put it on Indiegogo, and that, that funded 110%. And uh, um, I mean, Scarlet Knight has been a blessing because it's opened up doors to people, uh, to community. It's opened up doors to my other avenue that I'm going through right now. And I think 
the reason why I did one comic book, I just always had the mentality, like if I focus on one thing, it would be successful. I just didn't have the mindset. I was like, hey, if I had four or five comic books, that they would be successful. I think one would be more successful than the other than having to coordinate that and do all that. I didn't want to do that. I said, I want to have a streamlined focus on the Scarlet Night to do what it's supposed to do, which was help kids that look just like me, but then also tell cool stories about the streets. I mean, from two kids that came from the inner city who made it out, went back to give back. And I've never seen anybody that looks like me in fantasy. Like that's, I got Lovecraft country and I was excited. Uh, and when I tell you, I was like, man, thank you. Because I've never seen myself in a fan. I used to always worry about that with horror too. I used to be like, man, look, do zombies just not come to the inner city? Like, is that what it is? Like, do they just stop at the border when it starts to turn city? Or does ghosts ghost and ghouls and goblins stop in the suburbs and the rural areas? Like, like I always, always think like, man, what happens in the inner city when it's a zombie plague? Like, what happens in the inner city when ghosts are taking over your grandparents' homes? Like, what happens? So that's where all that inspiration balled up into me and creating the Scarlet Night. And of course, you know, every element of myself, my grandparents in it. My high school mascot was the Scarlet Night. I put that in it, of course. Um, it's based loosely on just everything about my life and, and this community. So I think that's why it's been successful thus far. I love that. I love that. And for those who, after hearing that, man, beautiful story and, and hearing the inspiration behind behind it, where can people get that at? Where can people purchase? Where can people support that? I, will, I, will, I was going to ask that at the end anyways, but for those who may not listen to, for, to the full episode right now, where 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 can they get that at? Yeah, you can go to 2923comics.com. Um, you can also go to Clint's Comics. I actually need to go buy a few stories and make sure they're still stocked up. Um, I'm also in Pulp Fiction Comics. Uh, I'm sorry, Pulp Fiction Comics, Bebop Comics. And I can't, I'm missing one. I cannot remember off the top of my head right now. I'm also in St. Louis. Um, it's on my social media. I'm sorry if I'm just drawing a blank right now, but um, I am in two stores in St. Louis as well and one in Vegas. I think it's Heroes for Selling Vegas. So um, definitely, but two nights week, the conference is probably the best bet. You can get it from me if you're not running around and don't feel like shopping. Um, we will we will mail it to you and get it to you. We even have a local pickup option. I love it. I love that. And ladies and gentlemen, all that will be listed in the description um, at the end of this episode. So if you don't have time to listen to the full episode right now, just go to the description and go ahead and click that link. Um so if you could meet any comic book writer in the world, dead or alive, who would it be? And any comic book creator? And, and drop a why for, for the reason why. Mm. Mm. Dang, man. Dang. Can we come back to that one? Because it's so many, it's so many going through my head. Absolutely. Yeah, no, no, we can yeah, let's come back to that. Let's come back to it for sure. I do want to talk about, you know, a little bit more about the the business of, of comic books. So can you can you maybe share because you were sharing a little bit right there that it's a really expensive to like put out a to put out a comic book. So and you got me thinking now, too, man. Why do you do that? <laughs> now I'm thinking, uh, oh, man, I, like, I'm sorry, man. I, I really want to. Oh, my God. You know, I, let me let me go back to it. Um, I had to 
I had to, I had to look in my uh, my Rolodex and like go through all my favorite comments. I keep them in my pictures and my screenshots. Uh, different people. I just like um, what I do is I like to visualize uh, and um, kind of like a, a vision board of who I would like to meet. And I just started going through my pictures and screenshots of artists and creators, and it probably would be Frank Miller. I. It would probably be Frank Miller. And, and the reason why, oh man, you know what? <laughs> yeah, Frank Miller probably be the best bet. I think I was I was heavily influenced by Sin City. I did enjoy Sin City. And I just think to have that gym, I would have loved to meet him. And I don't, I can't remember off the top of my head if he's passed on or not. So I would definitely say Frank Miller. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm sure there's some other other listeners out there that will match that same 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 uh, writer with you. So if anybody out there is a, a huge fan of Frank Miller as well, or or had the same answer to that, write my guy. Maybe y'all can chop it up about that. Um, yeah. So yeah. So so talk a little bit about the process. So say there's a young kid out there right now, and he's like written up a, a comic book, right? He has like, you know, like. 40, 50 pages, pictures and 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 scripts and, and storylines written up, but he just doesn't know the next step. And obviously we have Google, obviously we have YouTube, but for 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 you know for that person that's listening out there, can you share maybe where they can start the process of getting that published and getting that in store? So um after you get it all written and created and get your pages all inked and colored and lettered, um the next step would be print, right? Or if you want to do online, that's fine, right? But people still love to hold that physical copy. Um, you will go to print, find your great printer. Um, I've been with Impress Printing off 17th of Baltimore since I started Scholar Night. I wouldn't let anyone else do that. As of right now, I've been with them since day one. They've done my coloring book as well. Um, I would definitely get a good printer um, because that's going to be your business right there, right? Um, you know, if you're if it costs you three or four dollars to print a comic, it's going to be hard for you to sell it for seven or eight. It's hard, you know. Um, so get your good printing, get you a good price, and then from there, what I've done, and I can just tell you what I did. I knocked on doors. I went into comic book stores, told them what I was doing, gave them a physical copy, said, "Hey, this is what it's about," and they look at it, they look it over, glance it over. If they like it, they pull you in. They say, yeah, we'll get this. We'll pay you. We'll pay you right now. We'll do like 50% cut, 60, 40 cut. However, you know, you decide that's where your, that's where your negotiating skills come into play. And then from there, your book is in the store. It's on the shelf. Like it happens right there in, your, in front of your face that quick. You literally get a check in some cases. You get a check in some cases and they put your stuff on the, on the shelf. Um, also, another way is that they'll just put you on a commission where whatever you sell, they'll get your cut. Uh, but you definitely got to stay on top of that, which kind of led me into my uh, my other business endeavor. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that, but you got to stay on top of that. Hey, knocking on the door, going back. Hey, you know, have we sold any copies? Where are we at? You know, doing that. I'm just more so in the beginning. I was not on top of my business with the comic because I was I was coming coming at it from a creative perspective. But when I started to take more control of the business and really understood the checks and balances. Uh, things started to develop for the business and it started to grow. So uh, from there, man, once you get once you get the the book created, everything else is easy. You knock on some doors, call, make some phone calls, get it up in some of these stores, and if you got a great product out here, they'll pick it up. They'll take it. 
I love that. I love that. This is just a side question, and maybe you already did it, and maybe you don't even want to do it, but just a question. Have you uh, thought about turning uh, turning your comic book into like an audio book version? Uh, not so much audio book. We are, we are working on animation right now. Uh, but yeah, not so much of an audio book. I did. I have thought about that. I even thought about doing it when it comes to um, Braille, um, getting getting it created for um, for the the blind and uh, or the visually impaired. Um, also, I, I have thought about that for um, uh, when it comes to getting an audio book. I have thought about that. It's just it's so many steps with it, right? Um, and then you know, making sure that you pay the right people. Um, to do it so I but I I definitely have thought about it definitely have thought about it I love it I love it so we're going to transition man you you saw a problem in the comic book industry and you created an app to solve it what was that problem or you co-founded an app to start it to solve it what was that problem man so what I found out when I became a comic book creator is that it was difficult to find conventions it was difficult to find different opportunities to sell product and when it comes to the whole networking field, I was not a expert on it, nor was I the best. So I was missing out on opportunities to find some of these events, but also I was, I mean, you working 10, 12 hour days sometimes, then to come home and try to search for events or different groups or whatever the case may be, you just like, man, I ain't got time. So what I did was I created an app called Vinboo that connects vendors with vending opportunities. But then also what I started to notice is that when I started doing my market discovery is that, and doing my interviews, is that a lot of individuals that go to these events do not track their expenses. So what Vinboo also does is allow you to track your expenses so you can strategically sell at these events. You're also able to upload your receipts in those events as well. And that's more so that you can start taking control of your business so that when tax season comes around, you can write those things off. Um, I learned these things by going through 2923 comps. And what I wanted to do is provide everything in a centralized location so that if someone works 10 hours as a nurse or you know maybe they just got kids all over the place, whatever it is, they can literally get a notification at a comic book convention or a pop-up shop or, or a conference or a trade show, whatever it is, has just opened for registration and they can book that booth from the palm of their hand. They can pay, they can do whatever they want through the palm of their hand, but more importantly, they can start tracking their expenses as soon as they book. So after they book their booth, they can enter in, enter in their debits right there. You know, hey, booth cost me 40 bucks. So now I know, before I go into this event, I need to make $40 in one cent in order to make a profit. And this is all about empowering entrepreneurs, but also helping them find opportunities. I love that. I love that. I love that so much, man. I, I came across uh, your story in an article. I don't remember particularly who wrote it. I'll probably pull it back up. Uh, yeah, Startland News. So I came across yeah. your story and uh, I found it really inspiring. And, I, and the reason I really found it interesting is just because when we think about businesses, when we think about startups, there's definitely millions of them out there, but there's certain ones that are popularized, right? And, yeah. you know, you know, talked about the most. And I was really excited to see somebody topic, talking about the comic book industry because it's so niche, but has such a huge fan base, such a huge fan base. And to see, you know, 
you know, a brother, you know, in the community, yeah. in that space, you know, trying to solve an issue was really inspiring. And I think it'll be super inspiring for people to hear your story and to see somebody who looks like them doing something and something that they thought nobody else liked, you know, because I don't yeah. know if you felt like that when you were younger, but I know when I've talked to some of my other friends that have been super into comic books or anime or, or, you know, other super niche topics that aren't seen as quote unquote cool, you know what I'm yeah. saying? It, it was yeah. difficult for them, you know, growing up because, you know, they could be in one space with their homies talking about what their homies want to talk about, but they're not really interested in what their homies are talking about. And when they try to bring yeah. up comic books or when they try to bring up anime, you know, they get brushed off and nobody wants to talk yeah. about that. And when that's something you're passionate about, something that you want to, mm -hmm. you want to live out your life doing that kind of hurts, especially as a young bull. So I think that's a dope. I'm, I'm, that's why I really, you know, I'm excited to have you on the show and excited for people to listen to this. Yeah. One, one thing about my friends, uh, which is, I mean, majority of us were jocks. Uh, I mean, that just being honest, one thing about my friends is that they accepted me for who I was. You know, one thing about my friend, Jay Ron, I talk about him. He talked about, he talked about, man, I always knew you were going to be in the movies one day, bro. Like I always could see it. Like a lot of people around me saw it way before me. I always tell this story about Miss Tooley, who was my AP English teacher. And she said, you know, she said, Jaquan, I think you definitely should start writing. You know, I think you have a passion for it. And the story that you love to read, because I was heavy into Macbeth and Hamlet. Because I just thought, I'm like, man, people are dealing with these problems right now. Like, as we speak, like, and this was 2000. Like it's a Shakespeare who didn't look anything like me, um, didn't come from anywhere near where I've came from. And, and I was just like, well, how is he knowing these stories? These are stories that I hear all the time in my community. So, you know, I think the hardest thing was seeing that no one in my community looked like me in the industry that I'm in. No one. Heck, I didn't even know <laughs> outside of watching cartoons. I didn't even know people read comic books in my in my neighborhood. So I think that's why it's so important. Kids are a lot cooler than what we were. I think we were still, I think we were still stuck in that wanting to be cool stage, right? Like wanting to be Mr. Popular. I blame it on 80s movies. Uh, I think it's like everybody wants to be at the cool kids table and everybody wants to be Mr. Popular. Now these kids, they're all popular in their own respect. <laughs> Their own, uh, their own areas, you know, right? Some kid might be able to be the golf kid. He might be the coolest kid in the school. Right. So I think these kids are a lot more accepting and, and I, I think it's going in a good direction, I'm hoping. I agree, I agree. Um, what, have been, what have been three challenging parts about building out an app, you know, that you didn't expect to be super challenging but have kind of popped up along the road as a huge obstruction and and, you know, the reason I ask this question, you know, you don't have to give all three, but at least a few challenging parts is because there's going to be a lot of other young men who are going to try to go down this same route. And maybe, you know, you sharing a little bit of the challenges can help them, you know, bypass that issue. The biggest thing, the biggest thing starting out was uh, checking my ego at the door, right? I, I consider myself to be an expert in a lot of things, but tech was not one of those. You know, I, I knew I'm a tech head. Like I knew <laughs> I was having technology, but building an app and developing an app, this is way different. So asking a lot of questions to the point where, you know, at first you're like, man, dang, I probably sound dumb, right? But they're expert at what they do. That's why they that's why they're doing it. 
So your key to being a business owner for number one, being an entrepreneur is to make sure that you understand everything that your name is attached to. So I would ask a ton of freaking questions. I also would read a lot on developing apps. Uh, some of the jargon, if I didn't quite understand it, I would go back, look it up, see what that means. Man, you know, a phone is more than a, uh, than a way of us communicating. Man, it is a it is an information highway. I would always, even in developer meetings, just be Googling. Like, okay, all right, I know where we're at now. So I had to check my ego at the door. Number one, I just had to educate myself on what I what what was being done. Right um, when we have our weekly meetings, and I would go back and see how does this work. You know, where was Uber at around this time? You know, how were they doing? How were they preparing to launch? So I was doing a lot of studying, um, doing a lot of checking myself, um, but then more importantly, just preparing myself, right? Just preparing myself to go in a different industry and expecting what was going to come with that. I, I dealt with it in the comic book industry. I didn't look like anyone. Now, I might have the same skin color, but I might not have practiced the same cultures as some of the other brothers that I saw in the industry or might not have a similar background. So it was a lot of times that I felt like by myself. So it was like, hey, get ready for what's about to come, preparing myself, educate yourself. And then, um, I mean, I was ready to rock and roll. Um, so developing the app, I mean, you got people who are experts who are doing it for you. You're not in there behind a computer doing it. You just need to know how everything works and you need to know how you're going to provide this product to the community that you're serving. So other than that, I was ready to go. I love it. I love it. I love it. So let's say it's what what year is it 2021 sometimes i forget all right so 2026 man five years from now what does Venboo look like where do you expect to be oh my god i'm hoping that Venboo would have an office in every major city um i definitely would like us to have staff in every major city at least 10 to 15 in each major city um as our community relations uh individuals who will go out and find these events i want I want Venboo to be more of an experience uh, for some for not enterprise entrepreneurs. Uh, um, so, and then I'm hoping that we would be at a million users. Like that's what I want in five years. I want a million users, and and I'm talking about worldwide. Like I want a million users. So, I also want Venboo to be a culture a culture change, right? You, when I think about Lyft and I think about Uber, Uber and Lyft changed our culture, right? And it was an app that no one really believed in in the beginning. Like no one believed, like who would get in a random person's car? That goes against everything we've been taught our whole lives is getting in the car of a stranger. Now it's a part of our culture. It's in rap songs. It's in TV. I mean, it's everywhere. And, you know, that's what I inspire to be. Actually, I mean, I follow Lyft and Uber quite a quite a bit um, just because I think I knew they had to go through what I'm going through now, which is letting the world know about a great product, knowing that you have a great product, but just trying to explain that to the world. And, and I'm just I mean, I studied the people who've done it before me and I just think that we're going to be in a great place in five years. I can honestly see it and I feel it now. You know, we're, we're getting meetings every day, uh, people contacting us about the app, users interested in the app. And I see it. I know we're going to have to grow here very soon, but I'm OK with us making the right steps. I love it. I love it. And I affirm you in that, brother. I think that all of that's going to happen. And I'm excited to 
you know, see that all, you know, manifest itself in real life. I think you have a great spirit. I love the energy behind what you're doing. I love the story behind what you're doing. It's very authentic and true to you. And I think you have, you know, all the, all the pillars, all the, all the necessities to building something huge. And, and, and I, I can't wait to see it happen. So um, Thank you. I appreciate it. no problem, brother. We're going to do a speed round and then I'm going to ask you a bonus question. And we're going to wrap it up. So ladies and gentlemen, make sure you guys listen closely to these uh, speed rounds and answer them in your own room with your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your mom, your dad, whoever you're sitting with listening to this with right now. Um, if you're a comic fan, if you're a superhero fan, I want you guys to answer these questions. All right. So it's called a speed round, but you ain't got to answer super fast if you don't want to. So, okay. Um, which of these heroes would you elect as a leader of your group? All right. Superman, Batman, Rocket Raccoon, or Wolverine? Uh, Batman. Batman. All right. Who is number one on your most wanted list? Magneto, Joker, or Dr. Doom? Magneto. Bet. Some heroes work better as loners. So would you rather be in a team if you were a hero or would you rather work solo? Be in a team. Be in a team. Got you. Partnership or, or like a group? Like two people? Partnership. Bet. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Your team, let's say you, you build out a team, right? Um, and your team needs a female member. Who would you try to hire from another group or just another superhero that's that's a woman? Who would you hire? Rogue. Rogue. Okay. All right. Now, I want to double back to question number two. Why would you choose Magneto? I think Magneto, just like any other character, um, he knew the right things to do. He, he, he was hurt, and he was hurt for good reason. I think the story of X-Men, I mean, it's what we're dealing with today right just just similar to a uh, scarlet knight defender of the block where you have a person who's been wronged by society and the society is telling them that he's not worth it or he's not he shouldn't be on this earth or he, he shouldn't be able to have the same liberties and freedoms as everyone else and to be pissed off about that and wanting to create change i will pick magneto every time now, as far as the murderous side of Magneto, I'm not, I'm not an advocate for murder, but <laughs> I can definitely um, I can definitely see why Magneto makes some of the choices that he made. I knew you were going to have a great answer to that. That's why I had to double back. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, I really appreciate you for your time today. You had, first off, amazing answers. You know, I love every guest that's came come on the show, but you always, you know, really enjoy guests who like always have good you know, powerful and, and immediate answers and, and are very thoughtful with how they respond. And I think you did a really good job at that. And so I just want you to know that, you know, so you can carry that confidence with you and, you know, your more future interviews, more future conversations with future investors, more future conversations with future users, and just know that you, you got that, you got that ability to speak and, and get your message across. So I just want to shout you out for that. Um, I appreciate it, bro. No problem, brother. So the bonus question is, it's your last day on earth, all right? You're 105 years old. You've lived an amazing life. You've done everything you wanted to do. You've achieved everything you wanted to achieve, but your great-grandchildren are sitting at your feet, and you get to leave them with one piece of advice on how to live life, and this is all they're going to remember you for. What are you going to say? Screw everybody else. Do you? Screw everybody else and do you. The Culture Talks podcast. That is the final words of today. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you leave a five-star review. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. Um, leave a comment. Do all the stuff that's going to help us grow because that's the only way we can grow. I can only do so much. And um, Before we sign out, brother, go ahead and share your social media platforms and your website so people can find you and support you. 
Yes, or if you're a vendor, uh, please head to myvenboo.com. Uh, That's M-Y-V-E-N-B-O-O.com. Um, if you're interested in possibly purchasing the Scarlet Knight Defender or the block, we are at 2923comics.com. That is 2923comics.com. I'm also on social media. Um, we're, it's the same, my Venboo app on Instagram uh, for Scarlet Knight, Scarlet Knight, Scarlet underscore Knight 2923 for the book. So just check us out. I'm also on Scarlet Knight, Jaquan Duh. Um, always open to have dialogue, always open to communicate. Uh, when I tell you anybody that inboxes me or DMs me, I answer any question that I can. Um, if I help lead you in the right direction, if I don't know firsthand, I'll find someone else that does. But I'm just all about seeing what we can do to all progress. And I mean, just really, I want I want to make someone else a millionaire. I'm not worried about myself. I want to make someone else a millionaire. And if I become a millionaire in the process, thank God. But I'm really my whole my whole purpose in life is to help others. And I'm doing I'm doing good on that path right now. I love that. Ladies and gentlemen, we're signing out. Have a great one. Oh, you know, man, you know, man, you know, man.